The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome back to the show. This is Hoop Ball Grizz. I'm David Williams. He is Isaac Simpson. We are continuing our draft coverage. We got four new prospects for you today. Isaac, I want you to lead off, man. Who are you going with first? Actually, before you get into that, I'm, I'm going to preface with this. I have one guy that is first round for the Grizzlies and then another guy that I'm looking at for the second round. So I will compare them to a certain extent, but they're, they're way, way far apart whenever it comes to the draft. Yeah, same here. Uh, and the prospect that I'm going to start off with is Marcus Bagley. Uh, of course, the younger, bro- younger brother of Sacramento Kings. Forward Marvin Bagley the third. Uh, measured just under 6'8 at the combine, 217 pounds. He's 19 years old, one and done prospect out of Arizona State. Uh, first thing that jumps out to you on film is his athleticism and motor. Uh, really high motor, uh, high energy guy. Uh, always, always going to get 110% from him. Offensively, he can score in a variety of ways. He can score off the dribble, uh, does a really good job of moving without the basketball, uh, which is a skill that I always look for in wings. I think that kind of determines kind of the ceiling for, for wings, guys that can move without the basketball. I always like to see that. Um, he's at his best when he gets out in transition. And we talk so much about the Grizz needing to get bigger on the wing. Uh, and Memphis' lack of size was really exposed in that series against Utah. So he definitely... Definitely fits the bill there at 6'8", 217 pounds. Um, has a good, really good looking form on his shot, but perimeter wise, the consistency wasn't there. Man, he can he can be extremely streaky. Uh, shot 34.7% on six attempts per game from downtown. So not awful, but not particularly great either. Uh, though I do think he ends up being a more than capable three point shooter in the league. I, I just see the the upside of potential there. I think that number 35% again. He's, he's six attempts, uh, so he's not a guy that shies away from shooting it, so I think the potential is there. Not the biggest playmaker, um, as he only averaged one assist per one turnover per game. Wouldn't I wouldn't classify him as a bad defender, but I think the, the word I use is, is undisciplined. Uh, he has a tendency to gamble, uh, which can get him into foul trouble at times, but I see some upside there specifically due to his size um, his length. He suffered a calf injury four games in the season, so he only ended up playing in 12 of their 25 games. Uh, but due to that fact, I think there's a good chance that he probably would have been projected a little bit higher if he was able to play the entire season. Uh, but there's definitely some room to grow there for him. I mean, he's only 19 years old, um, but I think there's a lot to work with, and I think he projects as a a, a, a solid 3 and D guy in the league. I don't know if there's tremendous upside there, but I do think that he has some room to go. And again, missing 13 of the 25 games, I think you missed it over half your freshman season, and, and you saw some things there in those 12 games that Look really well. I think if he was able to play the entire season, he could have improved on some of those things. So I like him. I, I'm intrigued. This kind of the first time I've delved into him. I mean, I saw him sometime, a few times throughout the season, but hadn't really broken down or, or really evaluated him as a prospect. But looking at some film, I mean, I think I think he's a really solid prospect. Now, you kind of look at Mox. He's kind of all over the place. I mean, I've seen him late first. I've seen him early second. I've seen him late second. So, I mean, he's one of those guys that I think there's a wide range of or where he could go. But again, I mean, I think he projects as a really, it's a big wing, uh, as we talked about Grizz needing. And I mean, if he's there at 51 or the Grizzlies make some moves and move around the second round, acquiring those a pick, he's definitely a guy that would be on my radar because I think, again, only 19 years old, extremely young. I think there's some upside there. And again, he fits that mold of a big wing and, and a guy that can, can bring some three and D ability to the NBA. 
Yeah, man. Um, I wrote down my two things that I caught watching film on him. The number one thing for me was moving without the ball. Yeah, now, I, knew, I knew that he was athletic, and I figured that would be a point that you would hit on. But my top thing, we, we talked about a number of times on the show about guys that can play without the ball in their hand and pairing them up with Ja Morant. And, you know, even though Bagley's looking at it, you know, like late first, early second type guy, you know, he's not a guy that you're probably going to see in the league. Like, if he does get drafted by Memphis, he probably plays it's in South Yeah, for sure. Um, and and that, that's okay. Like, the there's a lot of positive in him being that he's only 19 years old that you can see and be like, okay, I can see this and this from him. This is what I like. So moving without the ball was number one for me. I, I loved watching him. He, he was really good at positioning himself in the lanes to where if the guys were going to kick out to him, he was in the right spot to get the ball. And then another thing that I liked from him was his rebounding, man, 6.2 rebounds yeah. per game. And I thought that he was really, really good at reading the ball off the rim. There were there were a number of different times that uh, maybe he was out of position, and he still came down with the reball because or the rebound because he was able to read the ball off the rim. And and even though he was out of position, I just mentioned him being out of position. He uses his body well to put himself in a good position to rebound, but because of his athleticism, he doesn't always have to be in the, in the correct position to get the rebound. So those are two things that I really like about him. Uh, you, you touched on one of my biggest concern was the, the shooting consistency. And that's something at 19 years old, man, you, I can deal with where he's at at 19 years old with the shooting consistency. The one thing that I didn't like seeing was I felt like on defense, there were times when he took yeah. plays off, man. Yeah. Oh, like just kind of just, just check out, you know, yeah. Yeah. And, and like meld it in. And there's certain times when that's not really going to be that big of a deal, but you don't want to see bad habits. You know, it, it is melon at the end going to be a regular for him when the game's on the line. Are you going to have to worry about him doing that? And I, I've not watched enough of him to say for sure, yes or no, you're going to have to worry about that. But that was one thing that I was concerned with um, whenever I was watching film. I just saw, you know, quite a few play. I say I saw enough plays that it concerned me where he was taken off on the defensive end. So I think that the three and D role is kind of what he's projected to be. But I, I think honestly, right now the defense is uh, is the weakest part of that. Even though there's concerns with the shot consistency. Yeah, that's definitely the the question with his game. I think I think offensively he's going to be fine. Like I said, the consistency wasn't always there from three. He was streaky, getting hot and, and knocked down. Several. I mean, I think he was thirty-four point seven percent, but again, he took six a game. So he's a guy that that had pretty high volume. Uh, but I think defensively, definitely the biggest question. I think that's why you would see him in South Haven because I think his defense hasn't quite caught up to his offense. And, and he's he's raw. I mean, there's there's definitely some some room to grow. I don't think he's really learned how good he can be. Uh, I don't think. I think there's a lot of untapped potential there. And again, when you're taking guys in the second round, that's what you wanted. I think he's a guy where there, that there is some upside there left. And, and anytime you can get a guy like that in the second round, I think you're happy. I mean, there's a lot there to work with. And again, I think his shooter numbers, I think are, are, I'm not concerned about that. I think he can get that number up. I think he could be a fairly consistent three point shooter in the league. And again, you like the size and, and you like the athleticism. So again, I mean, I hadn't done a lot of work on him, uh, but he was a prospect that you really haven't heard a lot about from the combine and the combine. Nobody's, really bringing up his name. So I, I figured I'd, I'd delve into him and kind of 
kind of get some more insight on him. And, and again, man, after watching my film, I saw a lot that I liked there. And I think he's a guy that, again, if the Grizzlies were in position somewhere in the second round to, to, to take a guy, he I wouldn't be upset if he ended up being a, a pick that they made. Um, a guy that can go down to South Haven, have a quote-unquote redshirt year, and develop down there. Um, it's going to be fun. I mean, I'm, I'm excited about the summer league and, and the hustle, depending on if they, if they take a guy that they're going to develop down there. Because I'm going to try to get the more games this year and go down there Watch it. So, again, man, I think he'd be a fun prospect to to kind of follow, and I wouldn't be upset at all if they took him in the second round. Yeah, yeah, same same for me, man. I do have one question for you. I know – so his brother is dealing with being unhappy in Sacramento. I've read reports about how, like, his camp, like the, the people around him, his father in particular – yeah. <laughs> um, has kind of not done anything to help facilitate the relationship. And I, you know, Bagley's a grown man, right? So at the end of the day, he makes his decisions. But does something like that, does, like seeing what his father does, you know, because it seems, and if somebody's listening to this and they know more about it, I'm not a, a Kings guy. I read, I follow a lot of people that deal with the Kings, uh, but Aaron Bruski here at Hootball is a, is a Kings guy. So I see a lot of stuff coming from him and other people that I, that I follow that are Kings people. And, and I click on it and I read it a lot of times just cause you know, I enjoy it. So if you know more about it and, and I'm saying this wrong, Feel free to correct me. I'm, I'm fine with that. But from my understanding, what I've read is the father has been kind of a, um, I guess, thorn in the side is really the best way to put it in, in the relationship between Mark or not Mark, Marvin and the Kings. Is that something for you? If you're a front office guy, is that something that you're taking into consideration? Like you look at the family, the family is kind of, you know, maybe cause some issues with another franchise. Is that something that's going to affect you? Um, it, it's def that's definitely not new. I mean, it, it, there were things that you heard about Marvin his camp and, and his and his dad and, and things coming out of high school, uh, going into college. So that's definitely something that's not new and something that's been going on for a while. And I mean, that can be a factor. I mean, we we've seen these type of situations before, where especially on high school and college ranks, where families can really cause a lot of problems. Now, when you get into the NBA and like you said, I mean, Marvin's a grown man. I mean, he should be able to make his own decisions. And but but you you a lot of times you see their decisions being influenced by others. And I think that's part of kind of what we're seeing with him with Sacramento. Now, again, we neither one of us cover the Kings, so I'd like to to get some more insight on that. But I mean, that that definitely could be an issue. I hadn't even thought about kind of that angle of it. So that would be something to watch. But being a a, a second round pick, I don't think I'd be worried about that as much with him. But it's definitely something that's out there and something that would, would have to be monitored for sure. Yeah. I think for me that this is what it comes down to for me, whenever I'm, when I'm looking at a guy and I'm not a front office person at all, you know, we do this podcast. I love basketball, love the Grizzlies, not by any way, shape or form a front office guy. But, but if I'm a, ta a talent evaluator, when it comes down to it, I'm not concerned with the family. There, there are off the court things that could maybe cause a little bit of deterrence. But for me, if the player has the skills, if he has the tools that he needs, and I like that, his camp is not going to make that much difference to me. Yeah. And, you know, I, I go back to um, the Lonzo Ball draft. 
And, you know, at, at that time, you know, his dad, which is a genius, I'm not a fan of him, but he knows how to get publicity. Yeah. You know, like he, he, he's a great marketer. And so there were people that are like, oh, well, he's going to fall because his dad this or his dad that. That stuff to me doesn't matter. Right. Well, since, since Lonzo has been in the league, have you seen LeVar make any type of impact on any decisions that a franchise has made about him? And the answer to that is, is no, no, like you really haven't. And so it, it's, I'm not going to stay away from a guy. If I like him, if I like his, his every, everything about him, you know, even if, you know, if I like a prospect, doesn't have to be everything. If I think that this guy has got what I want on my team, I don't, I'm not worried about that type of stuff. I, if value is there, value is there regardless of what their parents are going to do because parents are going to be parents. You're not going to control them. You know, you have to evaluate the player and not their family. Yeah, and that's, that's kind of what I was saying about Marvin. Once and once you get to the NBA, a lot of times that stuff kind of goes away. You see it in high school and college, and, and parents they can cause definitely cause some some problems there. But I think once you get to the NBA, you guys usually mature and they just kind of start making more decisions on their own. Uh, and and like what you said with Lonzo, like you heard a lot of that talk going into that draft. If I was a team on the board, I, it wouldn't have deterred me at all. Uh, if yeah. He was a guy I wanted at number one. I would have taken him number one. If that's the guy that I wanted to take, and it wouldn't, wouldn't have bothered me at all. So that's just, the, I mean, that's, I mean, again, I, I agree with you right there. I don't, I don't worry about that, especially once a guy goes pro, I don't worry about the family. If he has the skills, the skill set, and, and I like him as a prospect and I want to take him, I mean, I'm on the clock. He's on the board, man. I'm going to take him. That kind of stuff is yeah. not not going to scare me away. And especially if you're yeah. talking about a, again a, a second round prospect, definitely doesn't doesn't have because I mean you're not with a second round guy. It's not like it's going to be a franchise and changing move. You don't think. Right. I mean, a lot of times guys can like you get a a, a, Yerk, a Nurkic, uh, not Nurkic, but a Jokic in the second round, and a guy ends up being a, a big time player. But that's not usually what you expect for a second time, second round pick. So it's not like you're making some big, huge decision for your franchise that's going to really have a big effect. So it definitely wouldn't bother, bother me with, with Marcus at all. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, you let off with your second-round guy, so I'll go ahead and move on to my second-round guy. I'm looking at Isaiah Liver, six foot seven, wing from Michigan. And I, I think it it was a rule on today's show that you had to be six foot seven or taller. <laughs> <laughs> and we hit on that. We, we got it all four of our guys yeah, that are covering. we got all four, yeah. Six, seven, or taller. Um, I really like Isaiah. Uh, his shooting, specifically catch and shoot. 51% of his attempts last season at uh, Michigan were catch and shoot. Um, he averaged 41% on his career from three. And I I like that he is able to knock down a contested shot. He, even a contested shot, you don't see a lot of variation in, in his form. And that's something that aids consistency, right? If you have, if your form is 100% different when you're dribbling the ball, than when it's a catch and shoot, there's going to be slight variances. That's just the nature of it. You're going to have slight variances, but if there's a huge difference between those two, I worry about consistency. And with livers, that's not there. He, he's pretty, his form is, is pretty spot on every time that he's shooting the ball. Love him on the defensive end. He's got great footwork. Um, he's not too aggressive on closeouts to where he just gets blown by uses his length really well. Um, he's able to make up. If a guy does get past him, he has the leaping ability to block it from behind. And so that's something that I like. And just 
the, his ability to absorb contact with his body and still be able to finish. He has some work to do there, but um, you know, I think that out of the guys that we're talking about today, he probably does the best job of, of finishing through contact. Yeah. I mean, he's big and strong at 232 pounds. Uh, like you said, again, with all these prospects that we're talking about today, uh, they, they all for the wing kind of bring size a six, seven, two thirty two. And you talked about it can re- really shoot the basketball uh, 43% from three on five attempts this year, 50 of 116 overall. So it's so a pretty high volume there. Another thing that you notice from, from a guy of his size, 87% from the free throw line, which is really good. That's something that you don't always see there. Guards don't even shoot the basketball usually that well for the free throw line. Uh, so, does, does a good job of scoring in motion. Uh, that's one thing that really stood out to me. I mean, you can, you can catch him on a move, cut into the basket. Um, he's really good in the depth of doing that. Uh, pretty good playmaker uh, as well for a forward and high motor, man. He's always moving um, without the basketball. Does a, does a really good job of of, of, of moving around and, and just always in plays, always around the basketball. So I like that about him. Um, he, he Defensively, he, he can struggle to, to guard sometimes guys that are quicker, but like you said, he can, can recover um, and, and block shots from behind. He's not the biggest athlete uh, but at, at 232 pounds. Um, it isn't the, fleet, the fleetest of foot, but again, I think he does does make up for that defensively. Like you said, he can recover and, and block shots on the weak side. has a tendency to turn the basketball over a little bit. I, I think with him, uh, you don't see a lot of seniors taken in the first round, and he's 23 years old. We kind of talked about that with Chris Duarte, how that can kind of your stock, and I think that's kind of what you're seeing with him. He's older, um, he's a senior, and I don't think they think I don't think there's a tremendous amount of upside there. But I also think he's kind of a safe pick, and I think he's going to be a solid, solid player. I don't think there's a lot of bust potential there. I think there are some things that are going to going to translate. So I think if you take him, I think he's one of the safer picks in the second round of of the guys that are be available. So I like him a lot. Yeah, yeah, and again, man, that's. It, it drive, when we're talking about second round picks, it, it drives me nuts when I'm having conversations with guys and I and I mention somebody and they're like, I'm not <laughs> yeah, touching man. them. Get, get I out know, of here. drives yeah. me crazy. We're talking about yeah. second round picks, man. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, you know, we're, we're not trading up in the first <laughs> round to, to get this dude. You know, like you're, you're going to, I think Livers um, on Tankathon, I think he is, you know, like in the 50s, maybe. 50s, yeah. yeah. He, he's or 50 late, late 40s, exactly. Okay. He, he's 50 exactly on Tankathon. And the NBA Draft.net, he's down there around that same same area. So, you know, we're talking about the, the late pick for the Grizzlies. Uh, you know, they got 51. And so this is a guy that could possibly be available. He's 56 on NBA Draft.net. So at that point, we, we said it before. If you get a guy that sticks in the league at fifty-one, you're doing something. You're like that. Yeah, that I is mean, a even, win. Even, yeah. Even if he's a guy that doesn't play, if he's a guy that can you can roster that stays on your roster, that's that's not a guy that's, that's basically a, a G League guy. If you you got a guy that you can roster, you're doing good at fifty-one. I mean, I ran down a list of like the last twelve years of guys at fifty-one. I think one of them, I think Lou Dortz was the only guy uh, that was still in the league. Actually, so I mean that. You, you're not, and, and if people will kill me for. I was talking about Luke Garza, who's the national player of the year. They're like, I'm not touching him. That blah blah blah. I'm like at 51. I mean, you get a guy that was the national player of the year that definitely has shortcomings. I'm not gonna sit here and feel like he's gonna be an all star and into saying he's gonna be an all star or anything like that or project anything crazy like that. But I think, and I could end up being wrong. I think that he's gonna be a guy that can 
stick in the league. I think at that size and to be able to shoot the basketball the way he does, high IQ, I think he's going to find a role, even if it's a, a, a fourth, fifth big on, on somebody's roster. I think he's a guy that at, at 51, I think he's a safe pick. And people have killed me for that. I'm like, man, we're not going to – they're talking about how's he going to replace JV. He's another guy that's not fleet of foot. I'm like, man, you're not trying yeah, to replace JV at 51. That, yeah, I mean, it's – it's crazy, if you man, get I'm... a guy at 51 that replaces JV, <laughs> yeah. well done. Like, yeah. You, you freaking <laughs> nailed it. But that, that's not what you're looking for. And Garza, he, he's done, you know, he cut some weight. So, you know, he, he was looking good at the combine. There's things that he's shown. Hey, I'm going to put in the work. So he's another guy that we've talked about that I definitely wouldn't mind it. If they don't move up in that second round, they stay at 51. I'm 100% fine with them taking him at 51 for sure. So we're going to move on. Uh, next guy we're going to cover, I'm, I'm going to move on to my guy. I'm going to save the best for last today. Um, not necessarily projected that way, but the, the way that I look at it, we're saving the best for last. My next guy is uh, Corey Kispert, six foot seven wing from Gonzaga. Um, and and he, he was electric this year for the best team in the country. Kispert is arguably the best shooter in the draft. Um, it, it just... To me, for where he's projected, there's a lot of holes in this game. Uh, he, he was 40. He shot almost 41% on catch and shoot at a high volume. Quick release, a uh, ton of range. He, he finishes at a high rate at the rim, 63%. He can attack the rim whenever people close out on him too aggressively. And he's a great guy as far as moving without the ball. Uh, that was something the dribble handoffs coming off of screens for Gonzaga. He done all of those things and he done all of those things at an elite level. So where are the holes in his game? I just said, you know, for a guy that's projected this high, there's a lot of holes in his game. And to me, the holes in his game are this, as far as creating his own shot, he's not going to, he, he just doesn't have that. And if, you know, maybe he can develop that, but there's nothing that show me in any of the film that I watch that he's going to be able to be, uh, you know, any type of secondary playmaker or even get his own shot. And that do the Grizzlies need shooters? Yes, but they need guys outside of Ja and Dylan that can create their own shot. That That's really, really what they need. And to me, Kispert is just not a guy that has that. He His handle is not very good. He turns the ball over a lot. when he, If he's the initiator on the pick and roll, his passes get tipped. A lot of turnovers there from him. And defensively, he's a liability at best. Just lacks lateral quickness. There's going to be a lot of guys that are going to be matchup issues for him because of his lack of lateral quickness. Yeah, when you look at Kispert, I mean, very early on in the college basketball season, I was Kispert was my guy. Uh, I mean, I talked him up. I was like, man, the Grizzlies, if they had an opportunity to get him, that's the guy they need to, to take. But as the season went on, you kind of look at what guys like Bain brought to the table and, and what Grayson brought to the table. You look at Kisper, the numbers look great. I mean, the most productive player for the national runner-up. I mean, 19 points a game, five rebounds, two assists, almost a steal a game. You talked about the shooting, just elite, elite shooting ability, 44% from three on six and a half attempts, 91 of 207 overall, 87.8% from the free throw line. Uh, so I, I think he's, the, no question, the best shooter in the draft. We talk about Guys like Bones Highland and and uh, Chris Duarte are, are probably in that conversation, but I think the, the sole reason that he's in a lottery is because of his shooting ability. Uh, because if you look at anything else, he's he's a senior, he's a little bit older. You usually don't see guys like that that high up in the draft. It's solely 
due to him being an elite, elite shooter. And, and I think teams and, 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 and scouts and everything looking at that saying, well, one thing that you know that's going to translate for, it, for him is shooting. So you know he's at least going to be able to give you that. Um, and you kind of talked about it. He does have a high, high IQ, can move well without the basketball, has a little bit of playmaking ability. But when you look at the Grizzlies, and he's probably not going to be there at 17 anyway, but when you look at the Grizzlies, I think on the wing, they need to get – they need more versatility. We talk about size, and he, he brings that in 6'7", 224. But with that size, you want that wing to be able to use that size defensively and it, that size doesn't help him defensively. He's not – I don't know who he, who he's going to be able to guard in the NBA. Um, I think he's going to really struggle staying in front of players because, again, he doesn't have that lateral quickness. Um, it just doesn't do anything to differentiate himself from, from Grayson Allen or Desmond Bain and other wings on his team. I think he's going to be strictly a, a shooting specialist. I don't see a lot of anything else that he's going to bring to the table. And the Grizzlies definitely need shooting, uh, like you said. But I think with that shooting, they need guys that can also not only shoot but do other things, three and D, uh, use that size on, on the defensive end. And that just that's not Corey Kispert. And I, I don't think he's a good fit for the Grizzlies. Again, if he's there at 17, I think you have to take a look at him there because he's projected as a, as a lottery pick. So, I mean, I think you have to look at it. But I wouldn't be the direction I would go when that's crazy because that's coming from a guy that really loved him early in the season, I just think he's so one-dimensional that that's just not what the Grizzlies need. I think it would be overkill. You just bring in another shooting specialist. Where are you going to play him? I mean, is he going to play yeah. over Bain? Is he going to play over Grayson Allen? And I think the answer right now would have to be no, barring him coming in and being something more than I think he's going to be. So, again, we'll we'll see where it plays out. But, again, we, we talked about Franz Wagner as another guy that's projected top 10, and you, you kind of scratching your head thinking – why is this guy top 10 with Corey Kispert? At least he's an elite shooter. So you see that. Yeah. But outside of that, I don't think he brings a lot to the table. And if you pick it, if I'm picking, if I'm picking in the top 10, I want there to be upside where this guy could potentially be an all-star one day. And I, I don't see that with Corey Kispert at all. I think he's just, again, going to be a guy that you can bring in off the bench and, and knock down shots. I think at his absolute ceiling, if he just, broke through, he could be a Joe Harris type, but I think he could also be Adam Morrison uh, as, as an example of a guy that was really, really good in yeah. college at, at Gonzaga. Uh, speaking of coincidence, that they could really shoot the basketball and got into the NBA, went really high and got into the NBA and just flamed out. And I think that could be something we see with Corey as well. I, I just don't think he has enough other skills that could that you could see him end up being a bust. And I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens with him. But again, I, I agree with you there. I just don't think he's a guy that has a tremendous amount of upside because I think he's so limited defensively and with his foot speed and again just a lead shooter but I don't think brings a lot else to the table when I'm looking at this man it, it, it all comes down to two things for me right we said you know obviously shooting is one thing that they need but the the, the playmaking ability is is another thing and then defense right so I, I just mentioned three things but the the shooting the, to me, the two things that, that move the needle for me for the Grizzlies, playmaking, being able to be a secondary playmaker, and then your defense. And if you look at the guys that are on the board around Corey Kispert, and even some of the, you know, Josh Christopher is a guy that's rising right now. He's coming up yeah. the board. That's a guy that we talked about. And I, I think even, even though that he is three inches shorter than Corey Kispert, if I need to stop defensively, 
I'm taking Christopher over Kispert, man. Well, and, and 100%. You know, that, that's something that you – does it make that much difference in the regular season? It does not. No, it, it doesn't. But when does it matter? In the playoffs. And that's what we're looking at. That's what the Grizzlies – they were a playoff team this year. Moving forward, they want to build on that. So you need guys that are going to be able to do the things that are effective at the playoff level. Are we going to know for sure at 17 that we're getting a guy, the Grizzlies are getting a guy that's going to be able to do that? No, you're not going to know that 100% for sure. But a guy like Josh Giddy is somebody that could be available at 17 that we've talked about. And his he, the ability to be a secondary playmaker is there with him. And then, yeah, I, I again, defensively, he there's question marks about him, but I'm still taking him over Kispert. And that is just the lack of lateral quickness. There, there's nothing, there's certain things that you can do to work on that, but it, it's pretty much either you have it or you don't. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he just, I mean, I, I don't think that's something that he's going to really improve on. I mean, he's already, like you said, I would have said 22 years old, uh, kind of an older prospect. I mean, again, I have no doubt that he's going to be able to be a guy that can come in and knock down shots, but who, who's he going to guard? I mean, that's what you're looking at. And again, he doesn't have the ability to can't put him on the ball. He's not a, a playmaker, and I just don't know if the Grizzlies have room for another a guy that's just a catch and shoot guy. I mean, they need more than that on the wing. They're trying to get more versatility than that, and he just doesn't bring that. So for the Grizzlies, I just don't think he would be a good pick. Now, I know a lot of people gonna listen to this and say you're crazy, but then they love him, and I loved him at one time too. But I just think there are gonna be other guys on the board. Like you talked about, whether Giddy drops down to 17, and we're talking about Josh Christopher, or even guys like Cam Thomas or some other guys, they just have more yeah. upside as being a complete player, I think, than, than Kisper does. But yeah, man, he's projected in the top 10, depending on, on where you look. And I mean, there's a, he has a lot of fans out there, and I think people are just looking at the elite shooting ability, and that's kind of what they're looking at. But for the Grizzlies, I'm looking for more of a complete package. And I, I just don't think Kisper brings that to the table. But um, the last prospect we're going to talk about um, is getting a lot of buzz at the combine. It's one of my my favorite prospects. I've talked about the guys that could realistically be there at 17 for the Grizzlies. And along with Chris Duarte, he's at the top of my list. And we're talking about Trey Murphy, the third, 6'9", 205, uh, junior out of Virginia, 21 years old. Um, a guy that I think has tremendous positional value. I think he could possibly play the 2-3 and some small ball four um, in the NBA. Uh, played his first two seasons at Rice uh, before transferring and playing his junior season for Tony Bennett at Virginia. Uh, first thing that stands out with you, again, with him is the size. I mean, at 6'9", 206. I mean, you think about a guy that can play some two for you at 6'9", uh, really long. Uh, again, like I said, he played the two or the three and probably even some small ball four in the NBA. I know a lot of scouts think that's kind of what he projects as, even though he's listed as a wing. Um, elite athletic ability um, and above the rim guy. I mean, if you, you kind of watch some of the videos uh, that he's been putting up at the comeback and can really get up and, and throw it down. Um, has deep range on his three-point shot. Uh, really quick release as well. Uh, doesn't doesn't need a lot of room to get it off, so I really like that. I mean, he can score in a variety of ways. Uh, he can score it off the dribble. Uh, he can take smaller defenders into the low post. And there's another guy that moves well without the basketball. We talked about that. I think he's elite at that as well. Uh, doesn't get to the free throw line a lot with only 1.6 attempts per game, but was elite at 93% uh, when he did get there. Uh, not as good as a rebounder as you would expect for a guy his size. 
uh, playing on the wing, only averaged 3.4 per game. Uh, but he definitely needs to get stronger um, and put on muscle um, as, as he goes into the next level, 6'9", 206. A little bit slight there. Um, I think I think he definitely has some room to grow into his body and, and put on muscle. Uh, not super explosive, uh, but it's skilled enough to kind of overcome that aspect in his game. Uh, one area that he does need to improve is, is creating for himself. But And I say that, but the problem with kind of Virginia prospects is that system is designed more for the collective than for the individuals to shine. So you kind of look at his numbers, and they don't necessarily stand out to you and only average 11 points a game. Uh, but because of they, the way they play, I think he could end up being a guy that ends up being a much better NBA player than his college numbers would suggest. Um, and, I, and I even think some of the deficiencies that I laid out could be system-based. Uh, I think he's a much better player, and I think if he had went to another school, I think you would have saw his numbers being north of what they what they were at Virginia. Because, I mean, their best player only averaged 16 points a game. I think he was second on the team at about 12 points. And, is, uh, again, I mean, Virginia is one of those teams kind of – not like not not unlike the old school Grizzlies, the grit and grind Grizzlies. They didn't really have these big individual number guys. It was more about the collective. But and you're not going to see a guy. Rarely ever you're going to see a guy at Virginia average 18, 19 points a game. I mean, averaging 12 at Virginia is probably like averaging 18, 19, 20 somewhere else. So he's a guy that I think has a, another level that we probably haven't seen from him. And I think he'll shine more in the NBA uh, than he did at Virginia. And I think a lot of people kind of looked at those numbers and don't understand why he's protected as a first-round pick and don't get why a lot of people are excited about him. I mean, you watch those workouts, again, I think he's a, a better player than, than the numbers would suggest. Yeah, and one of the things that, that I caught just from watching film on him, he, he doesn't get a lot of talk about his athleticism. He he can really jump. Like, he's not yeah, a he can. crazy explosive. Like he, Yeah, he's not super explosive, but he can get, he's he can not get out of the jump out of the gym, but he, he, he can get up there. And that that really uh, that jumped off the page of me as I was watching film on him. Yeah, you mentioned shot creation. He only took 12 shots off the dribble last season. So that just shows you, you know, he, he's definitely more of a, you know, catch and shoot coming off of a screen type player. Um is he going to be able to develop the ability to create separation to create his own shot? And at, at his size and length, I think that, yeah, you, I think I, so. I think you're going to be fine. You know, at six, nine, his release is pretty high. So contesting that shot is going to be tougher than a guy that, that say six, five. So I, I don't think that he's going to have any issues in that area. Um, strength for me is, is a big thing. The six, nine, two Oh six, just a, Small frame needs to hit the weight room and put some muscle on, and I think that's going to be uh, be a, a big improvement in his game. Just that in and of itself, uh, he finishes at sixty six percent at the rim and half court. Uses his length, great first step, and he's got a high basketball IQ, and and that is something the Grizzlies front office focuses on guys that have a high basketball IQ. Trey Murphy has that. Is he a guy that I think they should take at seventeen? I, I don't know. Like he, he's he's not inside my top three. I, I've got one guy that's in my top three that would be available at seventeen. That people are like, oh, he's a second round pick. They can trade and get him. I feel kind of the same way about Trey Murphy. I think that they, you know, if the Grizzlies want him, I think that they can maybe trade up into the late first round or maybe early second and get him. You know, put some stuff together and and, and still get him later in the draft. Um, but if they do end up taking him at seventeen. It's not that crazy, and not at all. He the six nine and the length, man, dear lord, like that type of length on defense 
if you put the effort in that that's all defense type, you know, you're looking at a guy that could be blocking shots and one through four. I don't think that if he, even if he gets matched up on some of the better point guards in the league, there's guys that are just going to cook you regardless, right? Like that's going to happen. But if he, if they're playing and he gets switched onto a one, I'm fine with it. I think that he can hold his own. His footwork is good. His length, everything that he brings in that area, I'm, I'm fine with him guarding one through four. He's going to need a little more muscle to guard more physical fours. But uh, I think that, that that just comes over time. As he gets to the NBA, starts working with the training staff, you're going to see him bulk up. And so the, the more physical fours will come as he, uh, as he continues to grow. Yeah, and I think a lot of people, and it kind of goes to the point that I made earlier, a lot of people were, were surprised by kind of some of the things that he's doing in these workouts that have come by. And again, I just think when you look at Virginia, you just have to, to evaluate these guys different. They play such a slow, half-court kind of style of basketball. Like, guys just don't individually shine. And, and, and I, I just think, I really do think he's a guy that can do some things that you didn't really see on film at, at Virginia. And I just love the versatility. Again, we talk about the Grizzlies need to get more first on the wing, and I think he'll be able to, to play the 2 3 4 guard guys 2 3 4 play some small ball forward, which I think is really good for his team because um, I think he brings a different skill set. Like we talk about Corey Kispert and him being just a, a spot-up shooter. He doesn't bring the versatility that Trey Murphy brings. And, again, I mean, he's right there at the top of my list for 17. I know a lot of locks have him late first, some even early second, I think, I don't know if his tankathon might have him at 32, uh, but I think the buzz that he's getting at the combine, I think that's I think he's going to end up going a little bit earlier than projected. He may he may fall to the late first and early second, but I, I got a feeling somebody's going to take him in, in the middle of the first round. And again, I wouldn't be upset at all at 17 because I, I just think he's a guy that fits. He's a prototypical climbing pick. He's he's going to be what they call the quote quote uh, quote unquote NBA nerd Twitter type of guy. He's one of those type of guys that. And you look at the numbers and they don't stand out, but he, he's going to be a popular pick up on those type of guys because I think the analytics are going to love him. And that's kind of the guy we've seen this, this team take a, a, from a school that not a guy that, that really stood out, but kind of an older prospect. I mean, he, he fits what this front office likes. And I, it wouldn't surprise me if they even if they, they trade down or, or find another pick somewhere, you know, taking him because I think he really fits what we've seen from this team and kind of fits their M.O. Yeah, and th- this is uh, one thing that I hate that I, I see happening a lot is, well, you can't take that guy there. If that's your guy, if, that's your guy, man, where, take, if you got pick number nine and you think that Jaden Springer is the guy that you want at pick number nine, then you take Jaden Springer. You know, or, or, you know, if you got 17, Trey Murphy, is, is he's 26 on – NBADraft.net and 31 on Tankathon right now. At 17, if you like him and he's your guy, you take him. If he's there, take him. And that's – I can't tell you how many times you look at these big boards and see people miss, and and that happens. The draft is not going to go identical. There's not a single board out there that they're going to hit it 100% out of the park prior to – the draft last season, Patrick Williams was not five on anybody's board. <laughs> no. He was no. not. No. And you, you're not going to convince me unless you have photo evidence of a date and somebody <laughs> had him that high. I will never believe you that you had him that high on the board. 
No, because I even fell into that one. My my mouth dropped when they when they picked. I was like, "What is going on?" But yeah, I mean, if that was their guy. I mean, they yeah. keyed in on him. I mean, you you can make the phone calls and try to attempt to move down, but if you can't find a trade or anything you like, and you like Just a certain guy, guy, by by all means, man, take your guy. Yeah, if you take somebody that you're not happy with, the the first sign of adversity, man, you're going to be second guessing the crap out of yourself. Just let it rip. And that's why, you know, I, I said I've got Joe LAI is my is my third at, at 17. He he is number three for me. And people are like, oh my God, you know, they can get him so much later. Maybe they could. But I think I think he has a legitimate shot to be the best player from Gonzaga in this draft. But better than Suggs, better than Kispert. I think that Joe LAI has the tools and the makeup to be the best player coming out of this draft from Gonzaga. And so I wouldn't have an issue if they took him at at 17. Are they going to? Probably not. They're, they're probably not, you know, but that's okay. I'm still going to, I'm going to watch him and I'm going to root for him wherever he goes because of the film study that I've done on him and the stuff that I see that I like, he's just going to be a guy. I'm going to be a fan of him. So, you know, that there are times that we're going to take a shot. We're going to guess and we're going to be wrong and that's okay. I will eat the crow whenever it is due. Yeah, and, and especially, I, I think especially this year, uh, and when we've talked about this a lot, and I think I'll even expand this into the lower half of the lottery. I think you have your your top guys in this draft, and then I think even you look at, because you're talking about, you look at Kisbert and Wagner, you look at these boxes, they have these guys, eight, nine, ten in that range. You can, there's from eight down to like the top of the second round. I mean, there's a group of guys where, I think they could go anywhere. I don't think there's a huge difference in talent between a, a, a lot of these guys. I think at 17, I think the Grizzlies could easily end up getting, drafting the player that ends up being better than Kispert or end up being better than Bogdan. I don't want to just kind of pick on those two guys. I just think I think it's a, uh, there's a lot of guys in here in the middle of this draft that from even from the top end, like I said, eight down, that could end up being better than guys or worse than guys that are picked at the, at the, at the bottom of the first. I, I don't think there's a huge gap like a, a drop off i think even into the second round i mean you talk about guys like we they got protected in the 50s and i think he could be a guy that ends up being as good as somebody in the late 20s i mean it wouldn't surprise yeah. me at all so yeah, i think there's I, a I lot think, of yeah go ahead a great example of that is uh um and i'm probably gonna butcher his name but i think it's alperin uh singun from turkey yeah like, that dude he, i've seen him as high as top 10 on some of these draft boards. Yeah, I think draft.net is in the second round, actually. Yeah. Like you know, and then, or something like as, that. Yeah, way down there. So you mean to tell me that one person sees him and says he's top 10 talent and somebody else watches, ah, oh, nah, he's not even as good as, you know, he's, he's a second round pick. Everybody evaluates talent differently. And the truth is you're not going to know until they get there. You know, um, a guy that played for the Grizzlies, uh, Marco Goodrich, Right. He shot yeah. 50, 50 percent from three in the NBL before he came over 50 percent. And it wasn't on low volume. It was on good volume. 50 percent from three. He came over to the NBA and he couldn't do it, man. He could not adjust to the speed of the game. It just was not there for him. So until they get here, regardless of what the film says, you're not going to know until they get it. And Luka Doncic was another guy. If you redo that draft right now, you know, I, I think that Luka is one. You know, I, I think a lot of people were sleeping on him. And it, there's just, there's a number of guys that do this. 
everybody's going to have different opinions and, you know, we, we won't know for a few years who's going to be what. Yeah. And, and, and that's why I think this is going to be a, a really fun draft. I, I think we're going to see a lot of movement. There's a, a several teams that have too many picks. They're not going to execute all those picks. So I think we're going to see some movement, especially in the second round. You have, with, I think the thunder with three picks in the first round, three picks in the second round, there's no way, they're picking six guys. Uh, I mean, we have no, yeah. lots of teams with, with multiple, multiple picks in, in the second round. So I definitely think we're going to see some movement. And it's going to be fun. Uh, and I'm hopefully the Grizzlies are active. I mean, you kind of look at the roster now. We talk about not having many roster spots or, or room for rookies. But who knows what's going to happen as far as consolidation and with this roster. So it's going to be fun. Um, I think this is going to be a really fun draft. And, I mean, there's a lot of prospects I like. So, I mean, the Grizzlies got to, to – in order for them to – to, to miss on, on a guy like, I mean, they got to try pretty hard because I like a lot of guys here in the middle of the draft. So I think the chances are they pick somebody that, that I'm okay with. I mean, we talked about Cam Thomas and Josh Christopher are, are two guys that could, could be on the board at that time. Or was it Duarte or Trey Murphy or, or Josh Giddy Or, I mean, there's, yeah. there's a lot of guys. I mean, there, we've talked about there's Garuba. Least, yeah. There's like 10 guys that I'm, I'm like, all right, if they, if they draft any of these 10 guys, I'm fine. There's a couple that I don't want. There, there's yeah. a couple that I'm just like, I, I'm not buying into the hype, and, and I'm not going to go through that list. But, yeah, there, there's so much talent in this draft. Heck, whoever. You know, like I trust this front office. They do a great job. And so whoever they pick, I'm going to root for them, you know, e even if it's one of the guys that I don't like. I'm not going to – yeah, I don't wish bad on anybody. I don't, I don't necessarily want certain guys drafted to the team that I cheer for, but if it happens, it happens. So there we are. Man, you got anything else before we get out of here today? Man, I think, think that's it. Uh, just uh, be on the lookout for, for more draft coverage. Uh, again, like I said, all draft all the time. And this is one of our favorite favorite times of the year here at Hoopball Grizz, man. Enjoy breaking out these prospects. And I, I'm excited for, for these guys. I, I love the draft. It's an opportunity for these guys to fulfill a lifelong dream. And, man, it's great. It's just great to see and. Um, I'm excited for for the whole thing. Um, again, I'm, I'm going to continue to break down prospects. We're going to be back next week with with special guests and, and breaking down more prospects. So I'm excited about it, man. Uh, other than that, that's all I got. All right. Well, well, we listen. It would be a disservice if we do a basketball podcast and we don't at least mention the finals. <laughs> so the finals are set. They start Tuesday. Suns and Bucks. Yeah, exactly what but, I had at the beginning of the season. Yeah, I bet it was. Yeah. Poor crap. <laughs> <laughs> All yeah, right, new man. era, man. Who, new era for the finals. What, what, what do you got? Who's that? Suns or Bucks and how many games? Man, I, I said it on Twitter last night, man. I said said Suns and five. It, it might be Suns and six, but I think I, I think it's gonna be easy way. I think it's gonna be a pretty easy series for the Suns, especially with, with Giannis Hobble Hobble. We'll see what happens with him. I don't know if he's gonna be hundred percent in the in the series, but I think I just think the Suns are going to be too much for him. I think I'm still not a big fan of Budenholzer. And, and, and the weird thing about that situation, I think I mentioned this on the last, last podcast that we did, is three weeks ago you were talking about getting rid of this guy. Like he's on the, on the way out, and, and now you make it to the finals. Are you fully back on board with him? If they don't win, are you going to get rid of him? Or are you going to say, well, he took us to the finals, we're still going to keep him? That's going to be an interesting situation to watch. But I, I just think the Suns, feel like a team of destiny. I mean, they go, you go all the way back to the bubble last season and the run that they got on and you add Chris Paul, I just think they're going to be too much for them. So I got the, 
I got. I said Suns in five. I, I can see it being Suns in six, but I think the Suns won it. Yeah, I agree. I think the Suns are going to win it. We don't really know the extent of Giannis's injury at this point, right? It yeah, just, yeah. It just labeled as a hyperextension. Elephant in the room. Yeah. So have they even? Did they do an MRI yet? Have we heard anything about? I don't think. I know that I have not. I've not read anything. The last I saw slash heard was hyperextension of the knee. And they don't know. And then my I, I question they, is, they said there they said there weren't any torn ligaments. I think they came out and said that, but because there, there was were rumors coming out there was an ACL and that, so it's not that. But I don't think they still yeah. really haven't been clear to what what it stands. So it, it seems like they expect him to play at some point, but right now I think that's still up in the air because they really haven't given a timetable or said anything on that front. Yeah, I, I will say this, but. Got a rap about not being able to make adjustments. He has done wh- whether it's somebody that's on his staff, or I I don't know what happened, but I feel like this postseason he has done a better job. In that Brooklyn series, they started off losing that series. He was playing his stars thirty four minutes a game. That's why when, when he bumped their numbers up when Giannis and Drew and those guys started playing 40 minutes a game, then they ended up winning that series. And so he has made more adjustments this playoff run than he has in the past. So maybe he's evolving as a coach. I still don't know where they're going to be at, you know, win or lose these finals. I'd said beforehand, if he doesn't win the finals with the roster that he has this year, that he loses his job. But, you know, maybe the Giannis injury Giannis is enough. Stuff, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. like that might be enough to, to keep him around. And dude, let's face it, you know, there's no guarantee that you're going to go out and get a better coach. It, it's just it's not a, a guaranteed thing. You know, there, you can look at any job in the NBA with the exception of maybe one or two and say, okay, if I fire this guy, is there a guarantee that I'm going to get a better coach? The answer to that is no. Like you, you, just look at how many different head coaches have been places and lost a job and just didn't have it. They couldn't hack it. So I don't know. I, don't, I guess maybe I'm softening up a little bit on Budenholzer, but I, I think honestly he he has made more adjustments in this postseason, and maybe it's out of necessity, or or maybe it's just him growing as a coach. You know, we'll see in these finals. If Giannis is unable to go, uh, the, what he's able to do with this team is going to say a lot about him. And that's the, the Sun, Suns are looking good. I, I think the Suns win this series in six games. But uh, if Giannis plays and he is 80% healthy, I think that it could be a good series. If he doesn't play, I think that the Suns just run away with it. I, I think that they, they win it in four or five. Yeah, and, and that's my thing. When I said in five, it was kind of under the, the premise that Giannis is probably not going to be healthy in this series. But again, who knows? If, if he's, like you said, 80% plus, I think it, it could definitely go six or even seven at that point. But if he's back to looking like the guy that, that he can be, but I, I don't think that's going to be the case. I think if they bring him back, I got a feeling they're going to be rushing him back. I know he's probably pushing and playing me. Your team's in the NBA Finals. You're going to want to get out there and, and give it a go. But I just... Like I said, I feel like for a while the Suns have just been a team of destiny. It just feels like, and I, I think they're gonna gonna win it. Uh, I mean, it's crazy, man. But back when I was a kid, I was a 
a Suns fan. Uh, a little kid back in 93. I remember crying like a baby when, when John Paxson hit that shot back in 93 in the finals. I still remember that night. But, um, yeah, man, I mean, it, it's I've been a weird playoffs, man, overall, man. Just not nothing that you expected to happen. Happened. I mean, we had underdogs going on the road winning game sevens. I mean, you had guys going in and out, teams winning games with their star players out. I mean, it's you pretty much had everything. Uh, I mean, and it's yeah. been fun. It's been fun not having the same old everybody coming into the season thought it was going to be Lakers and Nets. And then now you got neither one of them. They're not even the Clippers. None of the teams that most people thought were going to be in there uh, were in there. And that's fun to me. I know the NBA might not be ecstatic about that, but but it's fun to me, man. I like watching it. I think pure basketball fans, not the casuals, will enjoy it. And, and it's good to have something differently. And I'm hoping Giannis can come back and be healthy, man. You just hate to see a team kind of robbed of their potential because of a injury to to the star player. So hopefully he can get back out there, get back out there and play. Yeah, if you're if you're a basketball fan and like the game in and of itself, basketball fan, you have enjoyed these playoffs, you know. And it's 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 fine. Like that, cool. You're a casual fan. You want to see the stars. I get that. I understand it. But excuse me. Sorry about that. Um, th- th- there have been a lot of great games. Watching Trey Young turn into the playoff villain has got to be one of the best stories of the playoffs, honestly. Like, the you know, going into Madison Square Garden and shushing the crowd and, you know, everything that he'd done in that series, just to watch him grow, it, it's it's been fantastic. And, and that's just one of many stories. You know, yeah. Chris Paul and Monty Williams and, and Phoenix and... and you know, I, I have liked Chris Paul even even throughout. You know, there were times when you're playing against Chris Paul, it's easy to hate him because of things that he does. He's very cerebral. Like this dude <laughs> will make you hate him. Yeah. But yeah, I've always respected his game. And so I'm I'm completely okay with the Suns winning this title. But I also, you know, on the other hand, the on the Bucks, man, I, I love Drew Holiday and what he's done in the game and you know. He's not a guy that is a, a game changer that's going to be, you know, an all-time great, but I just love the way that he plays the game. And so, you know, with no actual horse in the race, I'm just going to enjoy the basketball. And there's been a lot of good games this postseason. Yeah, and, and you talk about Trey Young and Chris Paul. I wasn't a fan of either one of them. I mean, Trey, Trey Young and kind of some of the flopping they do, and you kind of say that about both guys. Uh, coming into these, these playoffs, like you said, the stuff that happened in New York and some of the comments he made, it, it's kind of hard to hate Trey Young. Um, I mean, the way he did develop and, and carried that team, because if you look at back in the early in the season, team below 500, nobody had any idea. And they caught some breaks. There's no doubt about that going up against teams with, with injuries and, and missing players. But they still, the fact that they were a, a couple games away from the NBA Finals is amazing. Uh, and, and you got to give Trey Young a lot of credit. And it, it's kind of hard to hate him right now when – Chris Paul is a guy who I haven't liked for years, but kind of the way he's handled himself in the series, some of the comments that he made after some of those games. I mean, I'm not upset with him and wouldn't mind seeing them win. I think no matter, even if you don't like him, you you have to respect him. And I mean, he's put in a lot of work for a lot of years. I respect, really respect what the way he went to OKC and worked and, and took on the responsibility of taking the lead of that team and didn't pout, didn't complain. And I, I think he kind of deserves this shot. Um, and the same thing with Money Williams. I mean, those are guys that have been through a lot, uh, so it, it wouldn't upset me at all to see them win the title. Uh, Phoenix has some, some really good fans, very passionate fan base, and it's been a long time coming 
for them. So again, man, I'm excited for them. And even with the Bucks, I mean, you have a guy in Boonholzer who has an opportunity of redemption. Everybody had him fired a month ago, and he could go in and win an NBA title. So it, it's been fun. And, and again, a lot of storylines. Uh, again, teams showing resiliency, battling back with injured guys, even the Bucks not having Giannis and still able to pull this out and make it to the finals, man. It, it's been enjoyable to watch. And again, I mean, it's going to be a great series. Kicks off on Tuesday night, and I'm excited about it. Yep, same, man. Guys, we're going to get out of here. It's been fun. I've enjoyed this episode. Look forward to our next draft episode. Don't know when that will be yet. We'll let you know. We'll get it posted. But we appreciate you guys. If you like the show, go on iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Those help us out, help people find us. So we appreciate there. There have been a few new ones lately, and I really, really am thankful for you guys taking time out of your day to get that done. So that, that helps us. And that is completely free for you to do. You just go into your uh, podcast app, click your library, click on our show and scroll all the way down to the bottom of the page. And that's where you leave the review. Let us know what you like, what you dislike, and we'll do everything we can to make it better for you all. You can get the show on Twitter at Hootball Grizz. I'm at DWill2111. Isaac, let them know where they can find you and get us out of here, man. Yeah, man. first of all, make sure get go over to at Hootball Grizz, man. Give us a follow. We definitely uh, appreciate that. You can give me a follow at Isaac underscore Rivals, I-S-A-A-C underscore Rivals. I want to send a, a happy 4th of July out to, to Grizz, Grizz Nathan, man. Enjoy the family. Have fun, man. Eat way too much, but most important, stay safe. Um, and we'll catch you on the left side, good side. Until next time, we gone. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.